Welcome, folks, to Brand of Man Ministries, building one disciple at a time for the cause of Christ, not through any work or agency of man, but by the grace of God alone. I'm Pastor Will Hunsaker, and today we will look at the last portion of Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31, 11 verses. So I encourage you to follow along with us on that. Uh, and you're going to see Paul supporting the superiority of God's grace, with, this time with an allegory uh, of a story from Genesis of two women, two sons, and two covenants. Now, this just for reference, this story from Genesis is Genesis 16 through 21, and it uh, it uh, addresses the story of the promise made to Abraham and two children being delivered through a concubine of his named Hagar and his wife named Sarah. And there's a a contrast that Paul is going to use here. So from the Apostle Paul, let's go right to the text. Beginning in verse 21, Paul says, Tell me, you who want to live under the law, do you know what the law actually says? The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife, one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai, where people received the law that enslaved them. And now, Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia, because she and her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman, and she is our mother. As Isaiah said, rejoice, O childless woman. You who have never given birth, this would be Sarah. Break out into a joyful shout, you who have never been in labor, again Sarah. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. That's the fulfillment of the promise. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise, just like Isaac. But you are now being persecuted by those who want to keep the law, just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort. He persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. But what do the scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance with the free woman's son. So, dear brothers and sisters, We are not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free woman. Galatians 4, 21 through 31. Now, that was 11 verses, and that was quite a bit. So you might be asking yourself, what does that mean? Well, first, let's remind ourselves of the context surrounding Paul's letter to the Galatians. Very quick reminder. Put it in perspective for us. So during his first missionary journey, Paul Paul traveled to Galatia and presented the gospel. Okay, salvation through the person and work of Jesus Christ, nothing else. That gospel was very well received, and it took hold, and several churches popped up as a result. But shortly after Paul left the area, 
others came, whom Paul refers to as Judaizers. These folks distorted God's gospel by teaching that a true Christian, you must believe in Christ and keep Jewish law and tradition. There was a caveat. The Christian, the Galatians, unfortunately, fell prey to this law-driven distortion of God's gospel. It's not what Paul had preached. Paul even went so far as to say it's not even a gospel at all. And the Galatians even became divided among themselves as to which laws to observe, because there's quite a few in Jewish tradition. Some held fast to observe special days and months and years to prove their faith, assure their salvation. While others proclaim special food laws, okay, don't eat pork, other things of that nature. The practice of circumcision came back into play as a seal of God's promises of salvation. Also, there was mandatory Passover celebrations instituted and, and so on. You, you just saw these things developing in this area. All these were instituted to, once again, assure a person of their salvation and prove to themselves and others, that they were good Christians. They did works to prove that. Now, I don't know really if you have to search too hard to find examples of this today. There are many, 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 especially among the various Christian denominations with, with many rules directing you on what you need to do and not to do. This is essentially just teaching bad theology. And that's what Paul is saying. We have quickly forgotten, as he's pointing out to these Galatians, it is all about the person and work of Christ and not us. Even doing things has to come because of what Christ has already done. Good works will be produced, but they're secondary to what Christ has already done. And you never turn them back into yourself. They're expressions of our faith. It's like being given a delicious cake. This is the problem that he's addressing. So you got this, this nice, delicious cake, and then you start piling stuff on top of it. Icing, fruit, sprinkles, whipped cream, cookies, you name it, candy bars, crushed candy bars, all the good stuff, and so on. You get the point. So what you have here is you have a circumstance where you can no longer find the cake. It's just got all this stuff on top. This is a similar circumstance you see today. Christians have unknowingly just as the Galatians did, become part-time Pharisees, piling law upon law on top of God's gospel. This is what the Apostle Paul was battling. His entire letter to the Galatians is focused on bringing them back to the truth of the gospel. So he introduces this allegory using a biblical story that they would all be familiar with. And he does this in verses 21 through 31 in a fashion of a true rabbi, he uses the Old Testament law to make his point. He doesn't just pull things out of the air. But this time, he uses it to prove the superiority of God's grace so that they can grasp it from another angle. So Paul's opening shot here is really full of sarcasm. It's just dripping with it. Quite frankly, one of my favorite attributes of the Apostle Paul. But nevertheless, this is how he opens up in verse 21. He says, tell me. You who want to live under the law, do you know what the actual law says? That's Galatians 4.21. So now he's got their attention. So he's going to provide this allegory, as I said. He's going to use a biblical story to convey his point. So in 
22 and 23, he just gives a little brief narrative history of this story. He, he describes Abraham as having two sons with two wives with different backgrounds. One wife is a slave and had a son in an attempt to fulfill God's promise to Abraham through human intervention. The second wife was a free wife, free woman, excuse me, and had a son through God's grace in fulfillment of his promise to Abraham. Now, as I said before, if you're not familiar with this, it's Genesis 16 through 21, Hagar and Sarah. The, the children's names are Ishmael and Isaac. So then in verses 24 through 27, you get the allegory, okay, the, the examples Paul's going to give. So he uses the slave woman, Hagar, to represent the covenant of works that Moses received on Mount Sinai. The free woman, named Sarah, represented the covenant of grace, a free gift from God. Because remember, Sarah was barren. Hagar's son, as I said, is Ishmael. Now, he was born by the will of man, while Sarah's son, named Isaac, was born of the grace of God. So you have two contrasts there. Now, this is all in reference to the promise that God had given Abraham in Genesis 17. And what this allegory does is it confirms that that covenant with Abraham will continue through Isaac, through the grace of God, not through Ishmael, the will of man. So then Paul gives a practical application of this allegory. He gives it in 29 through 31. And Paul reasons with the Galatians. He says basically this, you folks are being manipulated by those that rely on human effort, just as the son born to Hagar, the slave woman. You Galatians are children of God's grace, not of your work, as Isaac was, through God's grace, not man's work. So then Paul quotes scripture from Genesis 21 to drive his point home. He writes this, but what do the scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance with the free woman's son. So, dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. We are, not, we are children of the free woman. That's Galatians 4, 29 through 30, actually 30, 30 through 31. So you, you see here that God is saying, toss out, get rid of the man-centered way of forcing, enforcing my will. You have nothing to do with my will. It's grace. It is my free gift to you. He gave it to Sarah. She was barren, old. Here is how I will fulfill my promise to Abraham. You don't fulfill it by making your own circumstance develop through Ishmael. So get rid of that. You are children of the free woman's son, my grace. So simply put, we become heirs to the kingdom of God by his grace, not by our works. And we don't continue in that. We don't continue as his heirs. We don't assure our salvation. We don't validate our faith by our works. 
It is always based on his grace. Folks, no, no scripture says God helps those who help themselves. That's a fallacy. Unless your Bible is Poor Richard's Almanac by Ben Franklin, because that's where that comes from. Actually, the Bible says the opposite. God helps the helpless. Here's a newsflash. We are helpless. We are dead in our sin and debt. That's Colossians 2.13. And no one that I know of has ever raised themselves from the dead. It requires the grace of God. But as I said, God's grace provides a solution. This is what Paul is saying to the Galatians and to us today. Jesus paid our debt for sin and unrighteousness through his life's work and his death on the cross. And it is his resurrection that proves to us God accepted his sacrifice. God didn't have to, but he did. He resurrected Christ. This is why all who believe have been resurrected to a new life in Jesus Christ. That comes to us only by the grace of God. That's Romans 6, 4. We have come into a new life in Christ. So this allegory of spiritual slavery, in contrast to spiritual freedom, is applied to us today in the same way Paul applied it to the Galatians. Can't mean anything different today than it did then. Those in spiritual slavery then and today are like a dog chasing its tail. Try and try as they might to please God or to validate their faith. They will always come up short because it's a human endeavor. Those with spiritual freedom walk in faith with their eyes fixed on what Jesus has done because he is the author and finisher of faith. This perspective is what the Bible teaches about Christianity, and it will produce good works that flow outward and amounts to great to count, but it would always be based on what Christ has already done. That's Christian liberty. So then the question is, which one are you? Thank you for listening. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you and bring you peace. Next up on Open Your Bible, we will begin chapter 5 of Paul's letter to the Galatians with verses 1 through 6. God bless you all. And remember, the Bible cannot mean anything different today than it did back then.